Well, good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, it's, Christmas is getting close, isn't it? <laughs> well, you've heard uh, quite a bit of scripture tonight, and uh, we're thankful for that. Let me uh, read a little bit from Luke 2 and continue to encourage us tonight in the goodness of God. Luke 2, verses 4 through 7, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Amen. Christmas time is a time to marvel in, in the awe and gratitude at the lengths God has gone to to show us his love and to save us. The creator came to his creation. The God of heaven came to earth. The infinite God became an infant son. And the Lord, whose royal robe filled the temple of heaven, became a baby who was wrapped in swaddling cloths. The God of the universe, who's present everywhere, did not have a room to be born in on this earth. The Son of God left his throne in heaven, surrounded by the unceasing praise of angels, to come to earth, where he would ultimately receive a crown of thorns and hear crowds shouting, crucify him. And at Christmas, we stand in awe of the majesty and humility of God. He came not in the power of kings in a palace, but in humility to ordinary shepherds in a rural town of obscurity by the power of God. The Lord comes to us not with an angry fist shouting from heaven, but with an open hand and an innocent cry from a manger. And in our text today here in Luke chapter 2, it tells us that she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. It's a very familiar story, isn't it? We all know it. But let's consider it this evening, consider the reality of what took place there that night. A young woman... Nine months pregnant. Some of you have been there, nine months pregnant. And right then, with impeccable timing, Augustus Caesar, emperor of Rome, called for all men to register and go to their hometown so that they could be duly taxed by the Romans. And since Joseph was a descendant of David, and since his family was from from Bethlehem, that's where they had to travel. It was a four- or five-day journey. And due to the crowds who gathered there, From all the towns and the census, all the inns were full. But there was room, the innkeeper said, down in the stable below. So the king of the Jews began life on this earth with the animals in utter humility. This baby boy 
born to a virgin, was of course not just any boy, but God himself. Come in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And this child, born in the poorest conditions, was the king of kings. The Lord of all lords. The perfect lamb, the son of God, who came for a very distinct purpose at the perfect time, all ordained by God. But this is not how we expect a king to be born, is it? No. Kings, and particularly revered kings, are born where? In palaces, in castles, where they only receive the best of comforts and the most stately accommodations. But not this king. This king was born outside, in the cold, in the dark, in a stable. Kings ride in on majestic four-horse-drawn chariots inlaid with gold and gems, but, but this king made his triumphal entry on a donkey with a small band of cheering sinners. And they didn't lay red carpet out for his entrance. They laid down some palm fronds on the ground. Because just 500 years earlier, this humble joy was declared. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Lowly indeed for the king of all kings. Great kings also have amazing networks of friends, don't they? They have alliances and allegiances with the greatest nations and warriors. They have connections with the most influential. They're defended by the strongest in the land, but not this king. Jesus had a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors as his closest companions, whom he providentially entrusted by the grace of God to carry his father's good news forth into the world. Mighty kings live in Kingdoms, and in their castles, and they eat the finest foods. And their company is only the most refined and wealthiest in the land. Yet the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He was a friend of broken sinners, harlots, and lepers. Great kings, perhaps most importantly, win great victories, don't they? They take over countries. They sweep in with their armies and their kingdoms expand and grow for a time. And then their kingdoms come to an end. Yet this King Jesus certainly had his victory. And in fact, it was the greatest victory ever won over sin and death. And unlike earthly kings, his victory was forever, as you just heard. Forever and ever and ever. But it was not the type of roaring defeat and victory we might expect. Rather, this victory came through his death, through his sacrifice. He was innocent and blameless, yet he was the one killed. By taking upon our sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. The king that came to bring dead men to life, he was a man of sorrows. He was stricken, smitten by God, afflicted, wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes we were healed. 
because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was the victory of Christ. This was the victory of that baby in the manger. But it's not how we expect kings to conquer, is it? Because as a child, he came in the form of God, but made himself of no reputation. He took on that form of a servant. He came in the likeness of men, and he was found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself. He was obedient to the point of death. Not just any death, but a gruesome death on the cross. And rising up from the grave, his victory was complete. What a magnificently humble triumph. The entire life of Jesus Christ shouts humility, lowliness, and meekness. From his very conception in an unmarried young girl to his death and even his resurrection, his entire life spoke humility. And that's because this is exactly how Jesus brought life into this world. Yes, Jesus brought life and light As we heard, the healing of the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And this life, this good news of the gospel is anchored in humility. It's it's against what our culture proclaims. It's against even what's in our heart. But humility is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because upon the spirit of God's conviction in your heart, you know You cannot save yourself. You cannot live a perfect life. Maybe you've tried. We all have. But you know you need someone greater, not yourself, to save you. So by faith and by belief, by trusting, not in yourself, but in the only one who can save you, you're humbled before God, recognizing and confessing that you indeed have pushed against God himself, trying to live by the good deeds and your merit. And in that cognizance, in that understanding, with that quickening in your heart, you confess and trust in God by faith. Because trusting God takes humility. Confessing that you're wrong takes humility. And this is the gospel. And so... On this night which we celebrate, we remember our king, the king that changed the world, the king that set us free, the king that gave us life eternal by his death and resurrection. May we remember the humility and the brokenness embodied in every aspect of the gospel. As we said earlier, just like Jesus, everyone in here was born appointed a certain day to come into this world. And one day, that's already appointed by God, you will die on this earth. And what you cannot control are those two days in your life. You have no power over those. But the question is, what will you do with those days in between your birth and your death? Because that time is finite. That time is limited. And if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Christ, if you've renounced your kingship over your life and given lordship to Jesus, then you shall walk in the same humility that Christ walked in. Because humility 
is not a mere add-on to the gospel. Christians are called to be humble because Jesus, our king, emptied himself of his glory. He was born as a defenseless baby. He was betrayed by his friends. He, He died a painful death for us. And all his life in the gospel shouts humility. So we walk in humility and truly live for him. But perhaps you have not given up control of your life. And this idea of trusting in someone that you cannot see is challenging. But something is stirring in your heart. Perhaps something's quickening you. Perhaps deep down you know that saving yourself is an impossible prospect. You too were appointed and born one day. And one day you too will die. And the question is, what will you do with those days? Because time is slipping away. The countdown to your death has already begun. So we cannot waste time. We must consider, can you work hard enough to save yourself? How long will you walk in this life striving for a kingdom like all those other kings that will be glorious for a moment but then fade. But Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, came as a child just like all of us so that you could live forever. A child in his eternal kingdom to receive that inheritance that only he can bring that's incorruptible that's imperishable, that's unfading, that's stored up in heaven for you. The call from that humble child in the manger is humility. Humility. And the call is to repent. To turn from the chains of living for yourself, to admit that you need God. You cannot do it yourself. Receive that quickening of the Spirit of God in your heart and Confess your failures before the Almighty God because He's here to save. He's here to set you free to a life of liberty and love in His kingdom come. May we cut off the weights of sin that drag us down. Set them at the feet of this glorious King just like those magi did 2,000 years ago who came to give you life where old things pass away and He makes all things new. Jesus' life started very, very modestly. It was one of utter humility for a very important reason. And it's because his gospel, his truth, is one that's grounded in humility itself. This little babe came humbly so that you would humbly trust in him tonight. And although he came meekly, his power and his might changed the world forever. He raised dead men to life and for thousands of years by billions of people, he is called master, redeemer, savior of the world, wonderful counselor, bright morning star, lily of the valley, provider, friend. He was yesterday, he'll be tomorrow, beginning and end. And while the angel called him Jesus, we call him Lord. Our brother, Pastor Schweso, is going to come up in a moment and lead us in a song. 
And this song, as we sing it, will walk us through the humble life of Christ. From being born in a stall, all the way to his death for our sakes. And as you enjoy reflecting tonight on the incredible truth that God came to us to save us, remember his humility. And consider your own humility. Apply it to your life wherever you need. Everybody here is in a little different spot. Maybe your marriage. Maybe the honor of your parents. Maybe it's the employment or business you work at. Maybe it's to your friends. But mostly, consider your own humility before God. He came humbly and he reigns victoriously forever. May we be humbled by the greatness and goodness of our God and the life-giving hope of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Amen. Let's pray. O Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, in the humility of a little babe, as a child in the stable, that we may know how your gospel and how your truth brings us to humility, that we may confess and turn away from our sins and turn to the living God and call out to you, oh, for your grace that you've brought us through your son's great and mighty victory in death and rising again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.